this, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 72, according to Flint. And uh, before we went on the air, discussing how such a coincidence that episode 72 coincides with how old Cody Snyder is. World champion Cody Snyder, the a 20, I wrote this down, 2023 inductee into the Bull Riding Hall of Fame in Texas, right? You were down there during, that all took place during PBR World Finals, right? Yeah, it did. It was on uh, on the Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. That's that's cool though to be recognized with well deserved. By the way, nineteen eighty three world champion. Nineteen eighty three. I was in high school. You know that in nineteen eighty three. I wasn't far out of it. I mean, there's not a lot of age difference. So if you're calling me seventy two, that's putting you high sixty. So we better. Yeah. No, that's a yeah. It's a long time ago. It was uh that was a that was a cool deal. That's kind of the that deal was you know Donnie Gay called me and you know, he was the guy who said that they were putting me in there and it was really cool, you know, and he was one of my idols growing up and stuff. And, and like he said, you, you know, you're voted in by your peers. So it's really cool. And it, uh, you know, all the other, other bull riders said that you're worthy and it's, it's, that was a cool deal. Well, I don't know, you know, I haven't looked into, and, and I'll talk about other hall of fames if we want later, but I don't know what goes into their criteria, but I know you're the first Canadian to go into the bull riding hall of fame. Correct. Am I right on that? That's right. Should there be other Canadians in there? Can you name a couple Canadian bull riders that, that you look at and go, well, if I'm in there, they should be in there. Well, I think, you know, now and I look like John Dodds was my boyhood hero growing up. And, you know, he, he, he's a guy that, that, that guy could really ride. He won the Canadian five times, went to the NFR four or five times. And, and he was, he was a rock star back in the day. I think, you know, like, him and George Paul, like John, George Paul was John's best man at his wedding. And, you know, when I talked about John, John Dodds at that, at the induction, you know, the guys who've been around them, everybody remembers him. He was a hell of a bull rider, you know, Daryl Mills, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't last very long. He wasn't around a long time, but he got a lot done in a short time. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's some guys, you know, you, you take, go back in them times. Old Leo Brown was the first guy to ride them all at the NFR and stuff and won the Canadian a bunch, but yeah, I, I don't know the criteria. They, I guess, you know, you get, you get nominated and, and they select you and they've got a process and that's how it goes. As long as we're on it, I said, we'd talk later, but we'll dive in here. I've covered this topic with other guys on, on 
this podcast, Dan Mortensen went into it quite a ways. And I remember that because he talked about a Canadian um, in the pro rodeo hall of fame. One of the criteria is you have to be a world champion. And it's on the surface. You go, well, yeah, you gotta be a world champion and get in the hall of fame. I think it's bullshit. I, I think there are people in that are, if they're in the hall of fame and that guy's not, it, it's ridiculous. Do you know who you could probably maybe guess who Dan Mortensen brought up that said it's criminal. He's not in the hall of fame as a bronc rider, Canadian Rod, Rod. Hey, probably Roddy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's people yeah, out there. Know, there's people out there who never win a world title and should be in the Hall of Fame. I think. Yeah, you know, the, absolutely. There's there's been a lot of them and, and guys that rode really good. Maybe they got hurt at the wrong time. There's some things that have happened, and yeah, I I don't know. I guess I guess they they got to set a criteria somewhere. I think that, you know with that Flint, they they have that builder category, and that there's some other other things there, other ways. But yeah, I mean, geez, Roddy rode you know, as good as anybody for a long, long time and just never got over that hump. But um, maybe he'll, maybe he'll go in there with his kids one day and both of them will be world champs. And then all three of them, something will happen because they both ride (laughs) unbelievable. They do. And there it's funny when you see like Rod, Hey, you look at him today and he still looks 38 and his kids are the same way. They look 12, just like Roddy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like Mortensen said, for one, Roddy Hay made it 20 times to the NFR. And he said, if nothing else, put him in for the influence he had on all the young guys and all the people he helped, including Dan, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you know, and Roddy, you know, today, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not the bronc rider guy, but but a lot of, you know, the amount of bronc riders and them young kids that's coming up through the through the deal from up here is just unbelievable. And Roddy's had a huge, huge part to do in that. And you know, the way that them kids are starting them horses out and, and the way they're spurring them and he's getting everything, their saddles set up right. And it's, it's really something. And, you know, we've got, I mean, they're coming in swarms I'm here and there's 10 or 15 more young kids that ride like mm-hmm. that right now. Like it, it, it's really good. I think it's cool. Cause being from where I grew up close to the border and all the times I went to Calgary, I did the CFR quite a few times and kind of messed around up in Canada. I kind of feel, I I don't, I'm a fan of the Canadians that make it to the NFR and it, I love that there's five, six Canadian bronc riders will be at the NFR. I think we, you could, you could just take Canadians and the, all the, everybody named right and have a full NFR, but I'm a fan of those Canadians. You you could have it almost could be blue shirts against the red shirts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stick a red shirt on all of these guys and yeah. they're blue and you'd have like a big old uh, deal there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really something. Um, talked about like people who should be, if there's Canadians should be in, in the bull rider hall of fame, whatever. But when I look back, even looking after you, I was in that when I started going to the NFR, it was Austin Beasley, Kelly Armstrong, would Wade Joyle? He, I think he was number one going into the NFR one year. Am I? Am I right on that? Maybe. Yeah, I think I think you could be right. I'm not. Sh- I can't remember that, but that's another guy that rode really good, you know. And he won a couple of them back in the day. I think they were called uh, the Bud Light Cups back when he was mm-hmm. going there. But yeah, that's another guy. And he won the Canadian a couple of times. That guy could really ride too. Yeah, you were. You know, you kind of headed out. I've I've always looked at the Canadian rodeo world as 
almost a, a circuit of all of pro rodeo. I thought it should be its own circuit, which it could be. I think they did that for a time, but it's a small, yeah, they're doing that now. It is now. But, is that what it is now? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a deal they've got somehow and them guys can qualify for the, uh, for that big, uh, NFR deal. They, I think they changed the name of it or whatever it used to be the circuit thing. And now it's, it's in Colorado Springs and, I know. I think Jared Parsonage and Jordan Hansen both qualified for it. So yeah, there's there's some stuff going on there. But the Canadian Rodeo World's just a smaller. It's a smaller community than say BRCA in the U.S. It, it, you know that it's it's more regional. Alberta, Saskatchewan. There, you know. When you left, when you decided I'm good enough to to go south of the border. That had to be, you were like 19 years old. That'd be a little intimidating, didn't it? I mean, was it a lot for you or were you just hard-headed and didn't care? Didn't care. Never <laughs> thought about it. I mean, I just wanted a rodeo, man. I Like, I, I, I tell a story, you know, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame and and uh, I, I just couldn't wait to get to Texas, you know, and I, I won that Canadian bull riding title over here in the CCA when I was 16. And this buddy of mine, Bruce Dirk, who rode bulls pretty good up here, was going down to Texas to look at some bulls. He was wanting to start a bull breeding program and he says you want to come along and i'm like i couldn't get in the truck fast enough i was kind of like <laughs> your 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 blue healer dog just open the door and i'm in there and i'm going and you know and i, I actually get, went down there to fort worth and Burns johnson i needed one more signature to get my card when i was 16 because because uh in canada there was no age criteria so oh. um I, you need to be 18 to get it in the u.s but if i got my canadian card they couldn't stop me from having my pro card in the prca so I had Bernus Johnson actually signed for my card, him and uh, Dale Rose and Rocky Rockabar. So it was pretty cool. But uh, no, and you know what? I I just, I never, ever thought about that stuff. It just, rodeo was rodeo to me and I couldn't wait yeah. to get there. And, and you know, we've talked about, you know, I've, I've talked to some guys about that and just to, you know, there's a lot of guys that lack that attitude. I mean, mm. you know, when, when we showed up, I mean, I had a few, you know, when I was my first couple, two, three years there, it was kind of tough. You know, I was young. I was 16. I went to 104 rodeos when I was 16 years old. I went all over the U.S. And, you know, in them days, there was no cash machines and there was, you couldn't write checks because you're a rookie. And I don't even know how the hell I did it. Actually, <laughs> it was crazy. But, but you know, and then when I was, uh, you know, 18 or 19, I ended up 17th or 18th in the world that year. And, and I went to Oklahoma City and they had that big Heston uh, ride off between the 16th to 21st or 20th place guys in the world. So it was pretty cool. But, you know, and I was just when I was just, I was I was hard headed, like you said. And, and it when you showed up, I didn't I didn't think I could win. I did. I knew I could win. You yeah. know, I mean, you go there and you're not even thinking about winning. You're just riding bulls. And that's what you did for a living. And and you get get to travel and do all this stuff you grew up dreaming of doing. And it was just like a, it's like a dream come to true. I just couldn't wait to get there. You know, I think the, the guys with that, I, I, I'm a believer. I have a philosophy that there aren't, there are as many great bull riders. Now we just have them spread out all over the PRCA PBR this, you know, there's bull riding events everywhere. However, I, I think that the, the attitude of, no, I'm just going. I'm. I know I'm going to win everywhere I go. When you spot one of those kids, you know them when you see them. There's good bull riders, but those guys stand out. We, before we went on, I said something about Chris Shivers. Uh, he was one of those guys. McBride was yeah. one of those guys. You can tell right away, can't you? 
You know, it, it's a, when you say about Shivers, I remember I was judging PBR finals that year when he made it. And there's this little kid over there and he's got his <laughs> shirt off and he's got little shoulders about this wide. And he's just this little. And I'm like, ooh, and Tuff was over there and he said, Chris Shivers. And I'm like, holy moly. It's just a, and every time he nods his head, his foot's over his head and just spurring everything. That, and you just knew and then you know and and not only I've, I've seen you know over the years you can go through and if, you, if a guy really writes it down and spends some time but you've seen guys come along and they just weren't you know guys who could really ride and they weren't resilient and couldn't couldn't take it you know they get hurt and go home and never show back up and all that stuff and but when you get guys like shivers you know like mcbride like uh mooney like look at mooney like that i mean still they just tough when they show up. I Mooney showed up at our bull riding here in Calgary. He was 18 years old. He came with Brian Canner. Uh-huh. And uh that was the first time I seen Mooney. And Canner was kind of the dog, right? He was the guy. And he brings yeah. this other sidekick along, this Mooney guy. And you know, Canner called me seeing if he could get him in that bull ride, and we had a bunch of money at it. And, and then so the night before we're sitting in the ranch was there, the title or the the host bar or whatever. And Mooney's sitting over there, you know, he's got a cigarette going and he's drinking a beer. And I said to Rhonda, I said, I think that guy thinks he's John Wayne. Like, he's just the coolest dude. And he rides everything. And then, you know, two years later, well, the rest is history. I mean, the guy goes on to be one of the best ever. And, you know, but same thing. You could just tell he just had that swagger. You know, he had it. And there's, you know, not, you know, there's just those guys and we can sit and you can talk about them until you're, blue in the face who just got it and mm. you know what is that it's that it's those tangibles of knowing you can win not thinking you can win knowing you can win when you get there and and get on hurt banged up you're getting on some bad dropping big yanking thing in two feet of mud and the rain's pouring and you got you know it just and and it doesn't bother you and that's there's there's a difference it kind of you know it's a separating the men from the boys yeah. I, that's a good story because that's the first, you're the first one that has kind of told that story of JB and Canner because when I had uh JB, you know, we sat across the table here and talked and I, I always ask guys bull riders. I have, if I get to it, I say greatest bull rider you ever saw a lot, like watch, you know, none of this, you hear things when, when you're talking to guys been around and I asked JB, who's the best bull rider you ever saw? And he said, the best one I ever saw in a moment or over time. I said, just in a moment. He said, Brian Canner. Brian Canner was yeah. great. He just couldn't, his body was so little, you know, shivers was small, but he was put together different. Canner yeah. was yeah. frat. He was fragile. He was little. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that- Brian was a small skinny little, and he could really ride. I mean, we've seen yeah. all of that, but that's where that other stuff he Mooney got hurt lots of times. I mean, guy, you just never knew it. I mean, he didn't care. He'd just get on. And it, there's lots. I mean, it, you know, he we're, we're picking him out of there. I mean, I could go through, you know, there's there's a pile of guys that you can say, you know, that you just got on, banged up, hurt, still win first, didn't matter, didn't matter where you were. You just – we rode bulls for a living. Yeah. And we did nothing else. I mean, I rode bulls for a living. I never even dreamed of having a job, anything on the side. I, you know, I mean, mom and dad, we had a little place there out North Madison. Hell, I didn't have nothing to go back to. That's why we did it. If, you know, and I've always said this, and 
I can count on about three fingers all the guys that ever came around bull riding that came from any money because your parents didn't never let you do this stupid shit if they <laughs> if yeah I mean it's it's dangerous you know they wouldn't let you do it. Hmm. I remember a guy from we talk I'll do it quick um Darren he's yeah. a guy from Colorado and his dad owned fifteen Holiday Inns in Colorado and we all knew this this guy kind of come from quite a bit of dough and and he went to winter roadies and he was in the top 15 and i think he was droning with justin hill and some of them guys back and i said where's darren at you know we we're all a pretty tight-knit group oh darren's dad said it's time for you to come home and run one of them hotels and <laughs> you got enough of that bull ride stuff and that was the end of it last time we seen him uh... and you know it just never happened much but you know that the, the the guys who the guys who did really good and, and you know you go to the finals quite a few times and you 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 want to buckle and you you rode really good I mean you, there's there's some you got to have some of the other it stuff there to get yeah. to get to there yeah um well when you look at you know when you won the world I I go back and so I just out of curiosity looked at the list of bull riders from 1983 and some of the familiar names and but it was. It, it was different. Like there weren't standalone bull riding. There wasn't the Southwest professional bull riders in the Canadian, but I mean, there's, you can go anywhere this week and watch a standalone bull ride. The NFR, then what you said, we didn't think of doing anything else, but riding bulls. You kind of had to do that. If you, to get to that NFR, that was it. Wasn't it? It was right there. This is the one place. Totally. We had one bull ride and we had George Paul. Del yeah. Rio and man, we all when you when you got your first invite to that thing, it was like that's that was a mini NFR that deal, and it was the only one. And you would, I mean, I think you'd get on there with two broken legs and the arm tore off just because you, that was your one chance a year to win. You know, you could win eight or nine thousand dollars there. It was a big one. It was the and it was the only bull riding. There was the odd one that pop up, but not much. And you know, and 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 back in them days. It, you had to beat everybody and there was only 15 guys that got to the NFR and there was nowhere else to go. There was no, no bull riding finals. There was nothing else. You know, the Canadian finals was on and it was pretty good. And then you'd have your circuit finals down there, but man, when you rode it for a living, that was, you had to beat everybody. You had to beat the best guys, especially if, if you weren't a guy that ducked off and went to a bunch of them little rodeos, there were some guys who used to do that and they won quite a bit of money back over East and stuff. And, but if you wanted to go head to head at them big rodeos every time and win, you had to beat everybody every time. Who'd you, that year, the year you won the world, 83, did you, do you remember, did you come in number one? Who'd you battle with there? Give me somebody that was that a couple was, of guys that were there that you went back and forth with. Lonnie Wyatt was in the lead. He was ahead of me by, I think, 1500 or $1,100. I can't remember. And John Davis had a hell of a year that year. He'd gone to the finals a bunch of times. Uh -huh. Devecchio. Um, you know, there was a bunch of guys could ride. That's when Ricky Lindsay kind of showed up and, but he, he'd gone in there a little bit lower down the totem pole, but it was, uh, it was, it was, that was, it was who's who, I mean, Wacy yeah. was young, um, or younger. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was, there was some tough guys around. Del Vecchio. There was a lot of tough guys that rode good that never made it. Yeah. Um, Del Vecchio, I saw him, uh, I see him randomly, but we went to New York city, you know, to start the year PBR this past winter, Del Vecchio, man, he still never met a camera. He doesn't like, he just oh, yeah. give it to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was the first. Oh yeah. Give it to me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. I remember yeah. watching, no, you know, Oh, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. 
Well, I remember watching him on like the Heston telecast, you know, the one night of the NFR. And we were just amazed. Here's this guy in fringe shirts. He was the first guy like to play the crowd. And that was unheard of in the cowboy world. It was like, look at this damn New Yorker cocky playing the crowd. Now everybody does, but he was it, man. He, He was the first guy. He was the first one, man. I mean, I, I think in that word, the first time that happened, I think it was Colorado Springs, and I think some C eighty five or something to Harry's. He rode him and he smacked him in the head and had some blood run off him. He blew a kiss to the crowd and they all went eight crazy. And he went <laughs> wow. And then he started doing it every time he rode one. And then, and then he, that dude could ride and he's tough too. I mean, he could take it. He comes from New York. He comes. He don't come from the easy good part in Manhattan. I mean, that guy's, <laughs> he's a tough guy. He can handle it. I, I got to know meatball pretty good over there. We call meatball was his nickname and I got to know him pretty good. Um, back in, we went to Madison square garden in 80, 83 that year, 83. And then, and, and that year as well, they had that, uh, that ride off for the, for president Reagan, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, command performance over there in Landover, Maryland. And that's where I got around Bobby's dad and stuff. And you really found out some really cool man. They they come from some tough. He comes from tough growing up, and he was cool. That guy could ride, and I, I it was it was good because I got around him. I hadn't seen him much, you know, ever since. I mean, when you get done roading, there's lots of guys you know see much, but we hung around quite a bit there at, at the World Finals. Him and I and Aaron, and we went out and ate, went for, went for dinner a couple of times, and yeah, and Bob, he's he, he's great. He's good. He's a really good dude. <laughs> he is a good guy. Always out of his way. Good to me. And he was before my time, you know, I don't know him other than him just being around. So I like him. You know, I, you say that about that camera, but we'll t- I was watching this deal on Earnhardt Dodge or one of them, I guess this is back 20 years ago. And I, I can't remember. It was on something like 60 minutes or something. And they're talking about this big dealership and Tex Earnhardt and all that stuff. And, and there, there was Bob <laughs> and there was a dealership he was working at and he was a, you know, he was a, a big time car salesman. He had on this kind of blue suit and man, he, they had that camera going. He walked in front of that thing three or four <laughs> times. And it was, I just laughed my ass off because that's just Bob, but he was great for rodeo. I mean, I'm telling you, he, he was one of them guys, you know, we were down, we went to Mayhan's deal and stuff and Mayhan started, he was the first and Bobby did things that he was the first. When you talked about that fringe and he just, he did things that nobody else did. People loved him, man. He had he had charisma and swagger. He 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 was he was really good for the sport of rodeo. <clears throat> yeah, he was. He's a dandy for sure. Um, you're bringing up guys who could go through injury, and I didn't. You know, I I was uh, you were a little. I came around after you were done, so I've known you in this capacity and as a producer and different things. Never really. New Year career. And I think it was Cody Lambert. I was talking to that. If you get a really good compliment from Cody Lambert, you, you appreciate, I mean, he he's very sincere in what he says. I think it was him told me, he said that Cody Lambert, he had a bad wrist. And if he wouldn't have had that, he said he tried and tried, but he wouldn't have had that. He'd have won more world titles. Is he on track there? Yeah. Is that what kind of yeah. ended you? Yeah. yeah you, you, you just you called know. me Cody Lambert. Oh, Cody Snyder. Yeah. You guys all look, cool. <laughs> yeah. you know, you all like, no, you know he, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things that I, I broke my wrist in 1987 and that, 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 ha- I mean, it cost me from going to the finals. I mean, I don't know, six, eight, 10 times. I mean, I, I, yeah. I could still ride really good and I, but I, 
my hand had popped. It was just, and they went undetected. I had an x-ray a couple of times. And they never seen a little broken bone in there. And it was just goofy and weird. And uh, it was a bad injury because the, the, the crazy part, like I'd one day I'd be 90 and the next day I couldn't ride one to be 75. Oh. And, and it just, and it, it was, and I get close to making the finals a couple of years there. And then, then it just progressively got worse and worse. And yeah. And it, you know, and it actually in 1987, I rode better than I ever rode in my life. 1987, I, I rode like 34 bulls in a row, bucked off one rode 17 more in a row. I mean, I, I, that was a great year for me. And then I, I, I hurt my back on the first one at the CFR and I got a re-ride and got on this bull and he kind of jacked me up over my hand really bad and it broke that bone in there and kind of the rest is history. I mean, if ifs and buts was fruits and nuts and I, I can never go back on that, but it was when I, when I think about it, it was, you know, that was a lot of, lot of hard, stressful times when you, cause back then, you know, you know, we always say, Oh, it's all in your head. That's when you weren't riding very, oh, it's all in your head. Go get your head out of your ass. And that's was kind of how we did it. Right. And, but whatever that, that's just bull riding. It's all, it's all part of it. You, you live with it and being hurt. And, and that was the crazy thing with it. You know, it was, my wrist was sore all the time, but you're always sore. Yeah. You know, but I never felt like I was hurt and actually I was hurt and didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we sat that day and Lambert talked about it and that's kind of, I, I see so many bull riders because I've, I've been in the sports medicine room a lot, just visiting. That's it. Just, just a bullshit. But, uh, you know, and with the guys we have now, it's always, it's always in here. You know, those bull riders are always, it's always that wrist. I mean, that groins yeah. and that spot right there, you know, it's just, you just cringe. Cause you know, that can be a kiss of death. Some of those injuries that those guys have that yeah. you just have trouble coming back from. Yeah, it's that scaphoid bone. And I actually, I've, I've had some problems. I actually, I broke my right one. I, I was born with, I think I was, well, they said 95% of the population has a blood vessel to both ends of that bone. And there's 5% that don't, and I'm in that 5%. So when you break that bone, there's a blood supply to only one end of it. So it doesn't, there's no blood to the other end of that, of the other bone that's broken off. So it kind of dies, it atrophies and that That's what happens to it. I've, 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 know a lot more about it now but i you know i i've been to a specialist with with my other wrist because uh -huh. i had that broken bone in there and and we talked about it and it, you know the guy this guy in calgary said when 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 you broke that wrist he said we really didn't know much about that it was kind of a they didn't even know how to handle them you know it was mm. they, they tried to put screws in them and they'd shatter the bone and they had a lot of problems back then they should they know a lot more now like there's a plastic surgeon out there in vancouver bc that works on them that's that's like a rock star with wrists and you know that's a guy i'll go see when i need this thing fixed but yeah it's a it's a it's a bad injury it's kind of a snowboard like montana there's lots of guys on them ski hills and that and snowboarders get it a lot bmx bike bicycle riders it happens to them a lot land yeah. on their hands and, uh, yeah. right there um when you were done what did you start producing events first or do tv first what or was it all kind of the same oh, time yeah, as produ I produced, started producing events. I, I quit there in 93. I mean, I was kind of done. I got on my last bullet Fort Worth, dislocated my shoulder and my wrist. I had this great plan. I was kind of like, like Rocky Balboa. I was looking for my next big comeback. You know, I had this <laughs> wrist and I've got, had this brace all made. And it was, I was like, I'm going to come back just the way it was before. And nah, that wasn't a very good plan. That didn't work very good. I mean, I had this 
44 of Riley's bucked me off there at Fort Worth and landed on my shoulder, dislocated. They got it right back in. But I was like, man, I just, I'd had enough. I just sick of being beat up. And I'd been off for a year with this wrist trying to heal that thing. And anyways, uh, yeah, so that was, I, I retired in 93 and that was in, um, in February 1st of uh -huh. 93 and Rhonda and I, we got married in 1990 and she had a marketing background on that and, and nobody was doing bull riding set in Canada. So I'm like, I got to beat everybody to it. I'll, I'll be the first guy. And we did. And, and in, in May 6th and 7th of that year, like four, four months later, after I quit, we put on our first PBR bull ride right there in the corral and everybody came, man. It was tough bull riding. Ted Noose won it. Lambert won second, made one that he made a hell of a bull ride that day. They rode that hair off everything. It was a bunch of nineties and tough. Everybody came to it. It was, and it was kind of one of that, cause there wasn't a whole bunch of bull rides on. I had everybody there. It was really cool. And then we started and we just kept on putting on bull rides there for several years. And the first TV I did uh, was the Calgary stampede in 1997. Um, did, were you a guy, did that come out of nowhere? Or were you a guy that, as a bull rider, because not many do this, did you pay attention to production and marketing when you were a rider or were you just riding? Cause oh, yeah. it, so it didn't yeah. catch you. Know, you. It was, had, you just didn't come out of the blue. That's something you always kind of had interest. In. I'll tell you the big deal. Flint had a big influence in, in that, that business on me was, was Del Rio in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, the, the George Paul Memorial, it, um, you know, in the way that Mac, Mac Altars would put on the rodeos, he had that music rocking. And I mean, people and nervous girls with bikinis on, I mean, <laughs> it was crazy back yeah. then. It was, it was first, you know, it was a hundred and I think it was like 126 degrees or something in the arena there in Del Rio at that thing. It was just smoking hot. And Mac had that music blaring, man. And it was just, everybody was just into it. And I was like, that is really cool shit right there. I love that stuff. So when, when we, I had some ideas of what I wanted to do. And then, so when we did that first one, then a guy up here, Jim Kamart had started a pyrotechnics company called yeah. Unreal Effects. You bet. And, and Jim had rodeoed road bulls and he came to me and he says, man, he's, you know, you're doing this bull ride. And he says, I've got this pyrotechnics. And I'm like, heck, if we're going to, let's, let's be different than everybody else. So we were the first ever in the business to do pyrotechnics. I mean, nobody else had even knew about this stuff. So we did all this stuff kind of, I don't think we did anything in the fire, but we had these cannons and, and in the roof and, and they blast out of the roof and there was a great ride made. And it was funny because Ted Noose won that bull ride in that day in there and, or that night. And, and this, he, he made a good ride and he was 90 and he hits and he gets off, throws his arms in the air and Jim hits the switch on that and his, this stuff all blew out of the roof and Ted's ducking and diving. <laughs> he didn't know he thought he was getting shot at. It's hilarious. We've got it on video. It's really funny, but uh, yeah, so we did, we had some really cool components and, you know, like that pyrotechnics, you know, Randy, the first time he seen that when we were doing, when we were doing the PBR Canadian final, no, when we did that uh, uh, Bud Light Cup up here for them a couple of years in Calgary, that was the first time that they'd really seen pyro. And then yeah. Jim started and Jim and Peter Jabrad, who you remember, yes, so I know. Peter's yeah. still doing our stuff for us, does all the PBR Canada's bull rides up here. That was where, and then, then Randy seen it, and then they started using those components at their uh, Bud Light Cup events, and kind of the rest is history. Now there's pyro's got to be a big thing in the bull riding business. Jimmy Kamart, Jimmy Kamart used to do it at the uh, Canadian Finals Rodeo. He did. Yeah. That was the one thing going, well, not the one thing, but the one thing I remember going up the CFR and stuff is those openings and the pyro and the effects that he came up with. 
It was ahead. I think he was ahead of his time a little on that stuff for sure. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and he did some Super Bowls. I mean, he yeah. he did some pyro. He did the CFL, the the Grey Cup up here. He did the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, he did pyro at some big time events, and uh, you know, and it, it was it was pretty cool to have that and you know, to, to be able to introduce new things like that and be the first to do it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you used to do a lot of events. You, you did kind of a series, a whole bunch of events a year. You don't do that anymore. I think you, I heard you say, why do a whole bunch when you can one, do one really good one, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, we were, it was, it was all about quantity back then, man. Cause you just yeah. couldn't, it was making a little bit off a whole bunch of them, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, quality, then you get into, you want to do quality instead of quantity. And, but geez, there was one year there, we did 18 bull ridings. I mean, and we did that whole, the whole PBR extreme bulls tour event, Rhonda and I and Peter, we flew all over the U S doing all those 10 bull rides or whatever. And, and then plus we had, a bunch of our own and we did all of ours from you know it was full turnkey like we did sponsorship Rhonda and I and all the sponsorships sold the tickets huh. did it all and it it's a, that's a tough business you know and, and and I tell guys in the bull riding business uh you know it's it's really hard to make 30 grand but it's really easy to lose 60 or 100 if you're not <laughs> careful like you can get your ass handed to you in this business yeah so we you know, anyways, we've, we've gotten down, I've got some other stuff going on oil and gas and that I'm, you know, that I, that I'm involved in. And, and I just, you know, I, and, and the traveling and I got, cause you got to travel every, you, you can't have 10 bull runs in Calgary. I mean, it's 30 miles down the road here, you know, you, yeah. you kind of get, so you want to stay close to home. And my kids were young in that too. It was, it was, it was tough being on the road a lot. Oh, I, yeah, I understand that. But as this, That's as true. this airs, as, as this is releases we're you're in the middle of one of your, your big bull busting yeah. event of the year, right around Calgary though. Correct. At a casino tell that's going on right now. Yeah. So that's, that, that's kind of, that's our marquee event. It uh, we've been doing that event for geez, 23, 24 years. Now we started that at the, at the ranchman's there in Calgary and we went through a little deal there and, and they shut down. We moved to the, to the Sutina nation here on the West side of Calgary. And it's, it's, it's the best thing that could have happened. So we moved there in 2019 and it's just grown. It's gone crazy. And we, this event this year, so we've, we've been sold out for two and a half months. We got four person. You can't get a ticket. Huh. We don't sell them to the public. I mean, we sell, these are corporate tickets. We have a, a pre-party, you have the bull ride and we have this big after party in the event center. And we take over that whole thing there and, and we're right in the middle of setting up right now that arena and, and it, it's a really cool bull riding. And, you know, we got, we got 20 grand a day. We've got 80,000 added prize money. I mean, you know, that that's a lot in, yeah. in bull riding in the bull riding business. I don't care where you're at. And, you know, so we, we got a great bull ride and it's a, it's a good one. We're going to keep growing. We, as of, as of this morning, we had 103 uh, corporations on a wait list that want bleachers for next year. And each bleacher holds 50 people and we sell them 50 seats at a time. So yeah, uh, we've, we've created a pretty nice little, little deal here. And see it, the Cody Snyder, Flint Rasmussen bull bust. Yeah, I can see it now. I can, I'd, I'd guarantee you lose 60 grand. <laughs> but, it's uh 
it, it it's awesome man we've had it and it, you know the cool thing we've we've just we've we've really built it and grown it and it we've been doing this a long time though and we've we've got things down and we do Rhonda and i and our and our and the cool thing flint is both of our kids are helping us too um, uh -huh. you know they're both both went to university and and they've got other things going on but they help with this on the side so it's a good cool family operation we've got uh got some neat things happening and we're just going to keep growing this thing. I mean, we're, we're looking at five or six days next year. Yeah. You've, uh, and before we'll change gears here, but I wanted to give you your due on your events. You've donated a lot of money, your events through the years, including this one, just so everybody knows a lot of money to some good charities, correct? That's your big push there. Yeah, this, you know, Calgary, you know, I've been around here for, we moved up here from Madison at 1993 and, I know how people roll here and it's, you, you want to give back this community. If you want to get the corporate people involved, like this is a very philanthropic city and, and people with all the oil and gas and everything that goes on here, they, they give a lot of money to charity. And I, I said, when Harris Bork and I started that thing at the ranch and you know, I said, we, we need to have a charity component. If we want to have long-term, a very long-term viable event here, if you want to keep people coming back and back every year and, so, you know, last year we raised 342 grand for charity. Um, we're over right at 3 million now since we started this thing. So, uh, and this year, I think we should be able to get, you know, do a half million for charity. And we have some initiatives of what we do there. We do Calcutta and we do some 50 fifties and we've got some really cool things going on. So uh, yeah, some good charities and then trying to help, help the local, local uh, market as well. Yeah, that's great. I, I never worked here one at, at Ranchman's, but I went and watched a couple times and yeah, it's a lot of fun. You create a good atmosphere. Anyway, they're good events, but, um, your TV stuff we did, I was on your show. So you all, you have your things you say it is what it is. I'll tell you what, that was your thing. I'll tell you what. So they give you a show called I'll tell you what. And I was on your show one evening. In Calgary. Yeah. Me and I'll tell you, it was you, you were hosting me and, and, Andy Burrell, the bullfighter, Andy Burrell. And I'll never forget. He was giving me a bad time about not getting the barrel, not fighting bulls. And then he listed off his injuries that he's had. And I remember I looked and I said, I thought you said you were good. Like I jabbed at him. I remember you looking at me like, Ooh, that was, but you, when I look at you as a TV commentator, what I liked is you told it is what it is. You, you talked about what you saw in front of you, critical, complimentary, that was kind of your strength, I always thought. Well, I just, I mean, guys who know me, I mean, it it just, I I just, it's the way I am. It's the way I was brought up. And I I just, I mean, to me, I, I just got to say what I see. And and some guys don't like it. Some, but, you know, you I, I look at hockey. I mean, I don't never compare bull riding to hockey much because it's team sport and individual yeah. sport. But up here, We've got a lot of hockey broadcasters, Don Cherry, and some of them guys that that you know, and they 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 tell it the way it is, kind of like Charles Barkley. You know, that's yeah. what I like. Charles Barkley will tell you what he's got to say, and some guys don't like it, but he says the way it is. And that's kind of how I am. I mean, if, if somebody's doing something that, that's not right, and everybody's scared to say what they got to say, I'm I mean, I I got a big backbone. I I can take the heat if they they don't like what I say and come and tell me the way it is, but the truth hurts sometimes it's, but it, it, I have this saying, I've said it a lot on here. I say it a lot on my live broadcasts. I do 
I've said it for years. Uh, rodeo guys, rodeo cowboys want to be treated like professional athletes until they get treated like professional athletes. It's almost taboo in the rodeo world to be yeah. critical, uh, you know, to say this guy, I expect more effort out of this guy. You know, he should yeah. try. He's, and you know, I'm going to do TV. I'm doing TV this fall for the teams. And I did a little last year too. And of course I probably can't cause I'm not technically a bull rider, but I think they're, I think it, if we're going to, if somebody's going to make a million dollars, then they should stand up to a little criticism like that. We should speak out more. That's what, I, how I feel in this world. Uh, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on that. And the guys are going to say what they say. And I think McBride does an unbelievable job. Me too. In my opinion, I, I love McBride. He, he ain't scared to say what he's got to say and he, and he can back it up. And yeah. That's the thing is, is, I mean, I've always said I, I can back, I can back it up. I, I did what I did and I've, I've got a gold buckle and, and I'll say what I've got to say. And, and, you know, sometimes with the judging, the judging can be off and you, you know, any other sport, I mean, they get on the referees asses all the time and, you know, Charles Barkley will tell you exactly what he's got to say about a referee. <laughs> I'll, I'll be watching the NFR. And I love Butch Knowles. You know, we, we both Butch Knowles, awesome guy. he's the best. And, uh, he'll be, it'll be the bronc riding or something. And they'll be, they'll mark a guy. Butch will go, well, you know, um, and he'll tiptoe around it. I'm like, I just want to say, say it, Butch, just say it. That was shitty. Just say it. And he doesn't, he, he, you know, and it's this unwritten rodeo thing where ooh, like, Butch, they can't fire you. Just say it, because I hell at the he NFR, does, he, he does a see, little. Butch, Butch, he he picks his poison. I mean, Butch, <laughs> he he he. There's time I've I've heard him say it. You know, he he will. Yeah. And and especially you know when it when it's blatant. I mean, he'll say what he's got to say. You know, Donnie Donnie's pretty good too. Like Donnie, you got much backup in him. Yeah. He'll say what he's got to say. Yeah, and, but Donnie Gay though, Donnie Gay, Donnie Gay's he what and I like it. We're friends, but like, man, today tonight we're gonna ride eight out of fifteen. Come on, Donnie, you know they're not gonna ride eight out of fifteen tonight. You know he's on the bull rider's side every yeah, time. I mean, that's every time. You know, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's it. I don't care where you're at right now. That's back in the day was all right, but you're, you're in a big stretch when you're saying they're going to ride very many of it. You're better off to stay away from that one right now. Uh, yeah. Don't make no idea what's going to happen. Don't make any predictions. Uh, the one night at the PBR final, it was uh second weekend and Lambert speaking to him, walked in our locker room. I said, geez, Lambert, how many are we going to ride tonight? And he said, 14 and walked away. They rode 14 that day. I was like, he's, he's Yoda. Freaking Lambert is Yoda. Did you, were, were you, you guys were, you were head to head. You were around each other. Um, so, he, no, we went to the finals together. Together. Yeah. Was he always, we the NFR together. did he always try to be grouchy like that? <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, I, I wasn't around Cody very much. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, he, he rode you with tough and Jim and them guys. Right. I mean, we, right. yeah, we, I, yeah, I guess he just kind of, he says what he's got to say. And, yeah. It is that what is it no is. Kid. Um, we both we both lucked out. Now a lot of people would say we didn't luck out, but we both have daughters. You have two daughters. I have two daughters. So we didn't have to worry about it. But 
if you look at a lot of great bull riding champions or PBR founders that have boys, not many of them are bull riders. You ever notice that? And maybe it's the ones, maybe it's because just like NFL players, they don't care if their kid plays football because they had their own career. Or do kids, when they grow up, see what their dads go through? Like, well, it's just not as contagious as maybe people think it would be. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, there's not many. I mean, you know, Wimberley's kid grow. I mean, you can pick. There's not many. I think Paul Kerber's kid has come along. Might be right. That kid is sticky. Mike Lee's got a kid riding real good. And I, I don't know. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't want my kid doing it. It's so damn dangerous. When I mean it, you're just. I mean, heck, I had my head stepped on here, and it's not only the riding, it's the traveling, all that stuff. But it's a tough sport. Bull riding's tough. It. There's no two ways, two ways, other, any other way of looking at it. And yeah, it's, it's a tough one. That's it. to, to have your kid doing that every day, man. It's a, it, it, it's a hard way to hard way to make a living. Yeah. I have a good, really good friend played in the NFL and his career ended with an injury early in his career, but his kid, he didn't care if he played football. The kid didn't play football. He said, I know, yeah. you know, I, I know what I had. I'm not pushing him, you know, and I think it's similar. Probably they, they kind of have the inside scoop, um, not as glamorous as they think, but, but your girls are, you have the, your girls are the best, all three of your girls Ron. I mean, so what are you say? They helped you. What did you, are they marketing girls? I can't remember what they went to school for. Well, our oldest Jordan, she's got a finance degree and she went to, uh, to, uh, university of Calgary house game school of business. So she's got her degree and, uh, you know, she's in private equity now at Scotiabank. She's got a, she's got a hell of a job. She's moving up through there. She's had three uh -huh. or four promotions already. She's doing really good. She's 26. And, uh, she took over our, the, the ticket sales side of things with, um, show pass. It's called, it's like the ticket master up here. And she figured out more. It's unbelievable. In two hours, she had it figured out. It's just, it's crazy how, how they just understand it's all, you know, all that tech technical, stuff ticket ticket sales sales is hard and she's she just got it figured out right away and so she does our stuff on the side and then reese our youngest um she's got a degree in hospitality management and so she's got a wedding business going and she's putting on some other events but she she her and her and her mom her and Rhonda, they work hand in hand and they're side by each man and they, they we take over that that convention that event center in there at the at the gray eagle and and uh you know, we have that bull ride and we got 3000 people out there and all 3000 people fit in that uh, event center. So our bull riding starts really at four thirty, five o'clock in the uh, afternoon. Then people start showing up and you got to take care of them. You got to get them fed and, and, and get the booze to them. And then we got that bull riding for two hours and then they're in there till two o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a wicked party. And that Reese, she handles that whole thing set up in there. And we have 18 of these corporately branded cabanas where when you got, uh, you know, if you, you got a bleacher out there that you bought for 50 people, well, each one of those cabanas holds 50 people. So how it's got now, it's kind of almost, if you were lucky enough to put your name and get your company name on one of them, you can, you can be in there now. And, and so it, it's a, it's a great, big, crazy, wild ass party. And that whole deal is Reese's. She set that up and I've learned, I just kind of get in there when the setup's going and it's kind of, yep. Okay. Yeah, what do you want I, me to do I next? I she just, uh, you do this, you do that. 
this and 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 it's cool because it's her deal and so and and whatever she i mean whatever we're doing we're doing something right to have yeah. this thing sold out this well, this far out of it and you know with the growth pattern that we're on it's pretty cool but it, the cool part is when you can have your family involved and have your kids and you know Rhonda hell she's been doing we've been doing bull riding since day one she she does some other stuff she's an interior designer and she does some mm -hmm. stuff builds some houses and stuff on the side and but it's uh it's cool to you know we've been doing this geez 30 years this year yeah since 1993 so it's uh We've done a lot of bull rides that had a lot of fun and done, done a lot of cool things over the years. You got a hell of a system there. You got the world champion bull rider. You married someone with a marketing degree. You have a kid with a finance and a hospitality. You got the whole event like self-contained in your team. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm telling you totally not planned that at all. I mean, they, you know, I, you just don't know what they're going to do, how, you know, how they're going to be able to handle that side of things in Jordan with that, you know, the finance, I mean, she's just got numbers. She's a whiz and, and huh. Reese with her, it, it's really cool that, you know, to, to have that marketing and that whole background and knowing how to put on events. And, you know, she's got a couple of NHL hockey players that she does weddings, she's done their weddings and huh. she's, she's got a cool, she, they got a good eye, but they, you know what? Heck, Flint, they grew up around it. They, you know, yeah. when they were four and five years old, we had them selling merchandise at them bull ridings. I mean, yeah. they'd be at the merch table and you got two little girls standing and they, they can sell. They get, it, they, they well, got they, out there and, you know, they learned young. Yeah. They, it's immersion into it. I mean, by assimilation, my, my oldest daughter's got a marketing degree and she's working for a Learfield, a media company putting together, they're getting the college rodeo business now. And she's, you know, well, you know, she sends me her emails. What do you think of the pros and cons of blah, blah, blah. That's all they've heard. It's like a basketball player's kid being, it, you just know. And then my other one's a psychology graduating psychology. That makes sense too. She needs that for, you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's cool that they, you know, like, like your kids, they grew up around it. I mean, they've yeah. seen it and they lived it and breathed yeah. it their whole life. And, and you can't, this, this stuff is something you can't really be taught. You know, you can't buy it either. You, you can't, you gotta, you gotta do it, learn it from doing it and yeah. being around it and understanding it. And you know, that, that was, you know, putting on bull rides when I started doing this. Well, Christ, I grew up around this. I've been around it my whole life. I, yeah. I knew the inside and out. I knew what, uh, I, I knew the, the money figures of everything. And, and, you know, you, you, you pay attention to that. And you had, I had a pretty good idea of what to do coming into it. Yeah. Uh, you brought up hockey. I wouldn't, uh, well, I got not to reveal the day that we're recording this, but it was recently like last night I'm sitting in a, a sports type bar with my daughter eating the NHL draft is on TV. I would yeah. never turn on the NHL draft. I, I like hockey, but I'm not like Canada I'm watching. And my daughter and I pretty soon we sit there an hour. And she's like, dad, this is intriguing. Well, what intrigued her is they all look 12 years old. The number one pick in the NHL draft was 17 years old. Connor something. And Connor uh, Bedard. Connor Bedard. Yeah. The, uh, I still, I think Canadians are tough. I like inherently like there's still old school fights in Canada, just in general, like at the dance or whatever. I think it's hockey. I think ass kicking served a purpose in our society and the less they become, the more entitled our society. 
uh, you, I remember we were at Jesse Burns wedding and in the middle of the wedding, you went, yes, because you were watching the damn under 18 something on your phone. I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The U18 hockey. Yeah. And they yeah. end up with, yeah, it's hockey's a big deal up here, but it's the same deal. You know, you grow up and you, you know, us, every, everybody played hockey. I mean, there's a lot of Cowboys that were damn good mm-hmm. hockey players. Oh yeah. 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 The, they're surprising. Like, you take them Milan boys and that's who I was going to say. There's a bunch. Yeah. Them yeah. guys can, them guys can fly. They can skate right now. Like they're damn good hockey players now. And they're, you know, 45 years old. Uh, yeah, I'm not tough at all. Uh, Chase Outlaw told me a story. You know, little Chase Outlaw, speaking of little bull riders. He was in Canada at some rodeo or bull riding, and these guys walked by and chipped on him a little bit. Hey, cowboy. And he's like, hey, you. And he mouse off. He said, I no sooner got the words out of my mouth, and I don't know how they did it, but they had my shirt pulled up over my head, and I couldn't do anything. I said, they sweatered you, man. That's hockey shit right there, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chase. Yeah, he got, yeah, that, yeah. It, he got second. That's a tough sport. That kid, that, that Connor Bedard, like he's breaking records. Like he's, he's doing stuff that Gretzky, he's even, he's ahead of Gretzky on things. Yeah. He's, he is just a absolute rock star. And he, he's filling buildings. Like he would go, he filled the saddle dome in here for when, when he came to town, he's played for the Regina Pats. So that's your, the WHL is the, the level below. So they get six, 7,000 people to a game or four, you know, like half full. He came to town as a 17 year old kid and packed the building. Like the whole place came there to watch him. I mean, and that happened everywhere that he went across Canada. That kid, he's a rock star. He's, he's big. He's a big deal up here. Were you any good? How were you? How was your hockey game? Were you any good? Well, yeah, I played pretty good. I played a couple of hockey sticks. Once I can score. Yeah. But I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to play. I, I had I had bull riding on the mind ever since the day that I, I played hockey just because it was something to do in the wintertime because you're freezing your ass off all the time up here. <laughs> well, uh, good luck with your event this week. Are you doing TV still? Do you do Calgary at all? No, no, I, I couldn't do. We, we overlap Calgary now. Oh, that's our, right. Our event is Tuesday to Friday, so we're over top of the first perf of Calgary, and then we got to tear this whole thing out because we take over that parking lot. I got, yeah. I got dirt and sand and bleachers and flat decks and big old party. We got tents and we got to get set up. We got 12,000 people going to come in there in the next, in them four days from Tuesday to Friday. So it's it's pretty cool. Well, um, I'll tell you what, this, this fall when I'm doing TV on the team PBR teams, I'm going to give you a couple is what it is. Uh, I'll tell you what's just kind of as a shout out to my friend, Cody Snyder, who I learned how to do TV from. So if I ever say it is what it is, or I'll tell you what, you'll know, you'll be sitting in your chair and going like that. So. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's good to chat with you, man. I appreciate the time. Uh, I know you're busy with, with your event going on, but appreciate it. And I always appreciate you at Calgary. It was always good to sit and visit with you. Good to see you at the world finals. It's always good to see you. Seeing you, Flint. Thanks. You bet, buddy.